This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and ClearPay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Games Group. I am your host, Damon Hatfield. I am back feeling very well rested after a week off. And joining me this week is Tina Amini, who very graciously stepped into host last week. Thank you, Tina. It sounded like things went swimmingly. I think so. And thank you for letting me host in your stead. Happy that you're well rested. Of course. You're probably about two months out-ish from getting another chance to host uh, one or more (laughs) episodes of the show. Seth Macy is joining us this week, sitting in for Sam. Hello, and thank you for having me. I did not grow a mustache for the occasion. I'm sorry. That's okay. I didn't give you enough time, enough it's notice. It's not too late. <laughs> it, it, you need to give me about eight weeks. Of notice. I think you're <laughs> technically growing it right now as we speak, to be fair. That's, That's true. true. That's yeah. true. Uh, and that fourth voice you hear is, of course, Justin Davis. Scoop. A very a hearty scoop to you, Justin. We've got a great show for you this week. Uh, Sony just wrapped a new state of play with some stuff to talk about: Death Stranding, uh, Death Loop. So much death happening, man. Maybe someone should talk to the people over there at Sony. Uh, the new, the next Assassin's Creed has kind of officially been revealed after Ubisoft's hand was forced. Kind of seems like. But first, let us begin with the. <laughs> The new Nintendo Switch model that's been rumored for so long and that people were calling the Switch Pro uh, for probably a year now, but uh, it turns out it's actually not a Pro at all. It's, it's, the, it's the Nintendo Switch OLED model. It's out October 8th, same day as Metroid Dread, and it retails at $350, $50 more than the standard model, $50 more than an Xbox Series S, which is a little surprising because this thing is not any more powerful than the... Uh, existing switch it has a slightly larger oled screen but the size of the console is unchanged Uh, it has a wider adjustable base stand so maybe you can actually use it as a tabletop console now better speakers double the internal storage 64 gigs and a wired lan port on the dock but no 4k output and uh, no increased or improved performance these changes are only going to be noticed when you're using it in handheld mode when you have it docked it's going to be the same switch that you've had for the past Four years. Uh, so, all that considered, I, I'm not really sure who this is for. And do, do any of you find yourselves interested in picking this up? Yeah. Seth says yes. Yep. Yep. Why is that? But, well, I don't know. I had like three 3DSs, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So. I think this is more of a collector's issue for Seth going yeah. on yeah, than, it's, than anything else. Basically. But also, my Switch is day one, and it's kind of, it's kind of, booty right now it's a little mm-hmm. a little beat up but it'd be nice to have a new switch but i think outside of like the collectors this is for people who just haven't gotten a switch yet and with the enormous success that the switch <laughs> switch sees every month 
right. there will be many, many of these sold. But that's that's kind of my point. Since the Switch is selling so well, Nintendo doesn't really need a refresh at all. So if you're well, like, if you're not going to do, if you're not going to do a real revision, a real upgrade, like what's even are they, just so that they can get an extra fifty bucks out of people? Yeah, I, well, they got all these super cheap OLED screens from Samsung. That Samsung yeah. was like, I don't know what we're going to do with them, and Nintendo just like stopped <laughs> over and were like, Yo, and so it's probably just like easier for them to drop this OLED screen in and introduce it at a fifty dollar higher price point. They're not going to have any problem selling them because, yeah. it's, like I said, it's the number one console for. It'll probably be three years of like the number one console every month. So yeah. It's a cool little thing for people who don't have one or for people who have one that's all busted and broken and weird looking or for people who just want white Joy-Cons like yeah. pair, like pair. I mean, the, oh, yeah. the Switch is um, like the name implies like some people like your reaction to this console probably has a lot to do with. Are you using it as a TV console or a handheld console more mm-hmm. often? And I do, you know, it gets docked to the TV and used sometimes, but I do primarily use my Switch in the headspace that the console occupies for me is is you know it's a handheld console and it's a couch gaming console that I'm you know I'm playing on my couch and other places in my house and so a nice you know really sharp OLED screen um you know the nicer speakers in it the bigger screen size although it is only you know what 0.8 inches bigger but like yeah. you know when it's right in front of your face like that will make a difference and probably feel pretty materially different like I'm definitely tempted I'm on the fence. I don't. I don't know if I'm going to buy one or not. But I'm not. It's not like a hard no for me. Certainly. Yeah. Tina, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, to your point, Damon, like, who is this for? And, and Justin kind of answered that too just now. But it's it's for I think people who predominantly play in handheld mode, which I do. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, if you want a more durable stand, like we're looking at right now, or um, the OLED screen gives you like uh, better contrast and more vibrant colors, so that experience on your lap in your hands seems like it's pretty good for people who are predominantly playing like, you know, two feet in front of their face um, in handheld mode. And obviously like the slightly larger screen, but there's nothing to be like, it would have been cool if something had offset with the battery power to kind of round out that package in terms of what you want out of your handheld experience. Cause otherwise, and I think there's more to do with the rumors and the speculation that kind of amped up people's expectations and hype for switch pro. But Mm -hmm. yes, the other side of gamers want something. If they are a docked player, they want that output to 4k to feel like there's an evolution to their experience and it's somewhat uh, coming up closer to uh, the other console makers as far as competitors go. But I do think this is a case of Nintendo can get away with it. Like people will buy this thing and I'm sure they have research behind the scenes that says people predominantly play in handheld mode. And therefore these were their priorities based on that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, Nintendo's an interesting company because they're um, they're incredibly bold and uh, risky sometimes with consoles like the Wii and the Switch. But then they can also be incredibly conservative and take a long view of, uh, uh, you know, should we do a 4K screen? Should we do a more powerful console? It's like, well, why? (laughs) Like, what benefit is there? They're already the best selling console and they already sell every Switch they can possibly make. So, you know, like if they're going to do, you know, Mario Kart and Mario and Zelda and these other games in 4K, like there are probably conversations internally about like, maybe we should save that for whatever's next. Like let's, Mm -hmm. they have absolutely no reason to be in a rush. They're not trying to compete and invite comparisons with Sony and Microsoft. So, um, you know, in hindsight, um, and I thought the Switch Pro rumors are very credible. uh, but in hindsight, it does kind of make sense that, uh, you know, maybe they're not in a big hurry and maybe they will save that for, you know, the true Switch successor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking and I said this on Twitter. We I, I'm, I'm sure that Nintendo is developing a 4K system like there's no doubt, but we won't actually be hearing anything real about it until like Sony and Xbox start announcing their 8K <laughs> consoles. And that's when <laughs> Nintendo will announce their 4K one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, journalists came under fire for hyping this thing up and manufacturing something that Nintendo had never even talked about. And it's, it's a, there's a, there's a storyline that's a total manufactured controversy. Like you hype something into existence that wasn't real. And then you're mad when the not real thing isn't real, but like, that's not quite what happened. Like the, the rumors are very credible and they came from, you know, Bloomberg and, uh, and my personal opinion is that something changed within the last six months or 12 months at nintendo um 
and what probably could have been, or maybe at one time was going to be a switch pro turned into this instead. And um, maybe they just shifted their timeline and they're still mm-hmm. planning for the pro down the line. And they've just, that's the problem with like, you know, hearing about any sort of development is it can shift at any point of time. Yep. And so again, I don't have any insider info. This is just me kind of trying to read the tea leaves and make a guess. I would guess that those plans have potentially turned into the switch pro or the true switch successor. And, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, but, but as I said, they have these OLED screens and these other plans that already laid that, um, that, uh, that gave them a nice beat for 2021. Um, mm-hmm. but who knows? I do have to say that I really appreciate the internet's, uh, name for this thing. Have you guys heard it? I'm not sure I have. The Panda? It's a, no, the uh, Nintendo Switch. Wait, what is it? It's the Swold. Oh, oh swole. Yeah. Swole that's pretty good. Swole On NBC, Casey said it's the Swoled, so yeah. Swoled, yeah. <laughs> we actually got an email um, from Midwest Nick, who points out that Switch OLED anagrams to dish towel. So hey, he's, oh. he suggests we officially call it the Nintendo dish towel. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That won't confuse up. anybody at all. <laughs> uh, like, like Justin was saying, I do play my Switch more in handheld mode. It's true. However, the like the really really big games, the Breath of the Wild and uh, Mario Odyssey, I played docked on my TV. I wanted to have that you know more of a the bigger AAA game experience. So like for when I'm thinking about playing Breath of the Wild too, yeah, it sure would be nice to have like a be able to play it on my 4K TV and have it look you know really beautiful up there. So that that's my only sort of hesitation about being uh, less than. Excited. Well, OLED. Damon, who knows? Maybe when Breath of the Wild 2 is out, we'll have a Switch Pro by that That's point. true. Maybe they'll ship in a package together. That's true. Oh, yeah. Launch game. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, how mad would people be if there, you know, if there is a Switch Pro in another six or 12 months after, you know, yeah. after this console is, is foisted <laughs> onto people? And that's, that's a totally, that's a totally realistic possibility still. It's not yeah. like that's, it's not like it's just gone. You know, there is no Switch no, you're Pro. you're right. Um, I, so. I don't think there's a Switch Pro. I think that we'll see the next console and it'll be backwards compatible with the Switch, but there's not going to be an iterative like Switch Pro. There'll be a new Switch. I yep. think so Switch, too. I, Switch U. I think that I think that there was a I think there was a Switch Pro that turned into this, and the Switch Pro is now, now going to be the Switch Two. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it'll be in uh, what March or April when it was released that would be 5 years next next spring basically. I think it was March 3rd, 2017. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's right. I think you're right. Um okay, we actually got an email from Alex uh related to Nintendo. He says there's so much conversation about Sony needing a Game Pass of its own, but no one I see says Nintendo needs a Game Pass competitor. It's interesting. Uh he says I I I was wondering what the scoop crew's take on the subject would be. I, Nintendo is such a strange company. I, this is kind of like a monkey's paw situation. Yep. You might, you might want to be careful what you wish for from Sony or from Nintendo. Cause like, man, they're like Nintendo online, you know, NES and super Nintendo games are kind of like, Ooh, I don't know. Ooh, they're not. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean, we all thought we were going to get with the virtual console. Cause yeah. they actually, I remember they sent out a survey, like, would you pay $5 a month if you could get, you know, all these classic games? And I was like, uh, hell yes. <laughs> and then, like you said, it's a monkey's paw, and it's like yeah. all of the all of Jellico's best hits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then they figured out that they could just sell people three Mario games for sixty dollars instead. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, I, and I say this as a fan, and I say it with love. Like you know, we hold Nintendo to a lower standard. Like nobody expects them to deliver like a subscription service that has all the Nintendo hits on it. Like. They're so remedial when it comes to their online infrastructure and Nintendo Online in general that, like, I don't even think it's interest entering people's possibility space that, like, maybe they could actually nail something Game Pass like, um, which you know I suppose gives them an opportunity to come in and blow the doors off it and surprise us all. But, but, um, but, uh, but no, they 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 have a different thing going on. One hundred percent, and we've talked about that on Scoop too. Like they they just do things differently, and yeah. they look at the market differently so they're not you know making decisions against necessarily i'm sure they're like watching what sony and and xbox are doing um but i don't think they're necessarily making decisions against this is what our quote-unquote competitors are doing and therefore we need to have something similar to compete in this market in the way that the industry is going they've always been about we're going to do our own thing at our own time 
and maybe even I'm sure this isn't exactly the case, but maybe even spitefully. So we're not going to do it because <laughs> the other guys are doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Game Pass is ultimately a, a business move on Microsoft's part to get people into the Xbox ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So Nintendo doesn't need to sell any switches. They're doing fine. That's why we that's why we get those horrible switch online games about firefighters and uh, <laughs> other awful games from City Connection. Pop and Twimby. Uh, it, it's interesting, though, there's like the Game Pass gets so much media coverage and, you know, it, it's, it's the, best, the best deal in gaming. That that refrain is repeated has, over has and over. It has to be said. Yeah. Yeah. Required. But it's an exclusive feature to the Xbox platform. So I just, will it be like that forever? Or at some point are, are Sony and Nintendo going to want to have, you know, some sort of uh, subscription game service of their own or, or well, will it, it's just weird. But they do, they both do. And they're just not very good compared to game pass. You're talking about you like know, PlayStation they, now. Well, yeah. yeah. And Nintendo, Nintendo online is that it's just bad. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Just like, uh, fewer games on offer and 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 not as good games. Yeah, although I did I did play Super Metroid. Like I I was uh, oh, yeah uh, I was so fried following you know E3 and Amazon Prime Day, and I'm just like I don't feel like I can do anything, and I'm like wait Super Metroid's on Nintendo Online, and I played through like two thirds of that in one sitting. So nice. Yeah. Okay, State of Play just wrapped up. Sony's uh, latest State of Play, Deathloop was the big feature there. They showed a nice long gameplay demo. And wow, more than ever, that game to me looks exactly like Dishonored. I think Justin was saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, powers, style. It just... It looked like like Dishonored 3, and and Justin had a a theory that maybe it was Dishonored 3 at some point. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a different team. I think it's the other arcane team making Beyond, it. Maybe not. Yeah. yeah so okay. uh, like, I don't know if it literally was, but man, the resemblance is uncanny in like the best possible way. Um, you know, it has this very, very cool and very slick time loop mechanic. So it has its own yeah. identity, but the moment to moment gameplay in state of play. And, and I was only half watching it because we were actually setting up for a scoop. Um, uh, it was it was uncanny, the resemblance. It looks really cool. Like I love the Dishonored games. So like a Dishonored game with sort of a spy espionage theme works for me. I, I'm still unclear on how the time loop or death loop mechanic works. You know how 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 rogue light it's going to be and how long your runs are going to last. Like it was it was a problem. I say problem in quotes that some people ran into with Returnal, just that the runs were so long, an hour plus, much longer than we're used to in a lot of roguelike games. So in Deathloop, how long are we going to be playing these missions until we die and have to start them over again? I don't know. Tina, have you gotten any sort of sense? Yeah, actually, um, just based on this gameplay reveal, they were showing like, because I get nervous about that sort of thing, too. Like how many mm-hmm. times I'm going to have to it's why I'll lose patience with platformers sometimes. No one hate me for that, please. But if you have to redo the same move several times, I get mm-hmm. like anxious and annoyed with it. But in this case, they actually showed there were like, as you progress, you'll learn new powers and new features. So one of those new features is at a point of time, you can actually go to your body and revive your powers and your weapons. So that seems probably like an early on feature so mm-hmm. that you don't have to constantly hit the actual reset button. And it's it seemed more like a narrative progression rather than a gameplay progression. So, you know, for a platformer, for something like Hades, it might be more tied to, well, I guess Hades is a little bit of both, but it might be more tied to your discovery of, because apparently there's like an, an ideal order in which, because the, the premise is you're supposed to kill like eight assassins um, right. in this environment. And so there's a apparently like an order in which is most ideal. And as you go through and it's die, like Mega you'll Man. learn. <laughs> it is there like Mega go. Man. But yet you'll like learn elements of who these assassins are, how they operate, and then what is the best cadence to kill them in. So it does seem a little bit more tied to narrative. And then there's a there's another um, ability that you can uh, you can what was it? I wrote it down. Oh yeah, you can you can begin to like rewind twice if you die right. before it actually hits the loop. So I think mm-hmm. they're it seems like they're looking at it as a way of like making that time loop gameplay more interesting from a narrative perspective rather than restrictive as like a gameplay challenge which is promising yeah. 
I, I'm I'm so curious about the you know the looping mechanic and the and the nonlinear you know the whole premise is that like if you do things in a different order it changes the game state and like mm-hmm. how wide is that possibility space of like oh no no I'm gonna go take out this guy first and that brings these other two targets together because I've changed the story and um and uh, y- y- you know how different will run throughs of this game be and right. um, you know how much agency does the player have to sort of influence those events um is the thing that i'm curious about and and you know i probably wouldn't trust very many developers to get that right and it feels satisfying but you know arcane is one of them that uh that i absolutely do have implicit trust to get that right seth is death loop on your radar i mean it is but also it kind of isn't a soft yes i don't have a good feeling (laughs) about this i think this is going to be the best game of the Sony Days of Play 2022 sale, like it'll be twenty dollars. I just, I don't, I don't think this is going to be a commercial success. I think it's going to be critically. Well, I've said this, well, a but those times. are two different issues. I don't think it's going to be a great game, or it's not going to be a commercial success. Those aren't mutual. Well, is it going to be a Seth success? I'm, it's, I'm just, it's. There's too many earth tones. I don't. People, wow. don't, people don't respond to earth <laughs> tones. They want psychologically. If you're going to make a purchasing decision, you're more influenced by a, a light blue. So that's what it is. Uh, I am and I what? easily swear. Well, it depends on the vibe thing. you're going for. Because I actually really like the jazzy vibe. Like there's like jazzy music in the background. I love it. the I environment. Seems. I really... think this is a really beautiful game, and it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. And the premise sounds amazing. I don't think it's going to be a successful game. I think it's going to be one of those games that we're all going to lament that, that we'll never get a Death Loop two because the first one didn't sell. Mm-hmm. We all should have bought it. Mm. Well, it is. Well, it is a it is a PS5 and PC exclusive, and right. you know it doesn't seem to be. I, I, like, look, like it's very, very hard to make a video game, and I'm not saying this game looks ugly, yeah. but like, does this look like a next gen? Like, oh my god, like they're really taking full advantage of the PS5. I would say no. Yeah. No, but m- almost as like an artistic style choice, just based on how some of this that we're seeing right now looks. Yeah. Sure. But I'm, uh, I'm just giving them an excuse. To Seth's point, you know, Arcane's curse is kind of making. Yeah great games that aren't huge commercial successes dishonor one and two are great, but I, I don't know. I don't think they're like yeah. the best. They weren't best sellers, right? No, I mean, the, they, and they it's, this is even well higher concept than those games were. It's yeah. a higher concept and it's limited to mm-hmm. a platform. It's that there are 8 million PS five sold compared to 115 million PS4s. Right? Mm-hmm. right. And I do think that the lineup too, for the Sony say to play is telling, cause this was the headliner for mm-hmm. today's as we're recording this today's uh, state of play. But if you had this back to back with a bunch of other P- like you know high tier AAA PS5 exclusives, it might feel a little bit more indie amongst the bunch. So to Seth's yeah. point, like yeah, I feel like the marketing has has maybe not drawn in the the kind of um, the kind of investment that we would see on on a different title. But maybe this state of play makes a difference, and maybe the next one there's another cool gameplay showcase. Who knows? I mean, I hope so. There's yeah. Horizon Forbidden West is supposed to be out this year. And I think they're going to want to show us some more of that at some point. I'm going to start. Um, I'm going to refer to this as a Majora's Mask like, not a rogue like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll allow it. I heard it here first. <laughs> they also showed more of Death, Death Stranding director's cut, and I think yeah. some of those features caught your eye, Justin. I, I just didn't, you know, like what well, they showed off the little teaser that we got to see before. It just told us nothing about, you know, is it only game? Is it only graphical enhancements? But no, like this fairly substantial you know gameplay enhancements and changes to that game and so mm. yeah it caught my eye in that sense um uh there's a there's a cool catapult now that can just cargo catapult yeah cargo catapult that'll just sh- sh- cannon uh cargo across the skies and a cool little robot buddy and um and you know pretty substantive stuff like you know cleaning up and improving the melee combat experience so mm-hmm. um i didn't play this game the first time around um will i play it now Probably not, <laughs> but but we've gone the trailer and the and the changes uh, for the enhanced edition or director's cut or whatever they're calling it um, took me from like a zero out of ten to like uh, it, it it nudged it into maybe column for mm-hmm. me. Calling it the director's cut is so hilarious. Well, so they also- coming from Kojima. Like the original mm-hmm. game was his director's cut. Yeah, it's like it's like purely his auteur vision, right? 
Um, so they, in, in the trailer, they say it's the um, the definitive, what do they say? The definitive experience or the definitive edition. Mm-hmm. And it does seem that way because, yeah, there's all these, like, there's little elements like the cargo, cargo catapult and the buddy bot that were just kind of ridiculous. Like, you see them and you're like, that's goofy and fun. But then if you really dive into all the things, like, they, they called it, like, re- there are different title cards. Like, one said, like, remastered. Another says new battles. Another says new story missions. So there's all these, like, little upgrades, like, upgrade to melee and, and to combat and there's new weapons um and there's circuit racing randomly um but it it does seem like or if i had to guess based on this small snapshot of what this definitive edition appears to be it does feel like some of the criticisms about like how grueling some of the experience could be is now is being addressed in this one so it does feel like it Mm -hmm. could be the definitive edition that might address some of the complaints from the a non-definitive edition. Kojima Gina, finally you, got creative control back of the... Yeah, Death exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Tina, you did play Death Stranding along with Sam. Did. Are you going to yeah. play it again? Definitely not. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed what I played of it, but maybe if there's like a, a system where I can load my save and just mm. play the new missions, I would do that, but I wouldn't replay everything. Yeah. Man, do you remember... We all should have known better because Kojima's obviously always had this goofy streak in him, but like... The, the hype for the very, very first like Death Stranding trailers and how insane it was with the naked Norman Reedus and the baby and he's <laughs> crawling on the sand and there's the things floating in the sky. Like I've never in my entire professional career experienced something like that. And like, of course, once that uh, mood and tone is turned into like an actual video game that you sit down and play, something's always going to be lost. But um, yeah, goodness gracious, those were uh, those were the days back before we knew what it was. <laughs> Yeah, and I, th- I remember the Game Awards trailer where they revealed uh, Guillermo del Toro was in it. It was, it, cra- and then, it was crazy. And then, and then Mads Mikkelsen was in it too. We were like, what the fuck? And he had a great role. Matt, like yeah. Guillermo del Toro's role was pretty minimal in retrospect, but uh, Mads was great. He was great in it. Seth, did you play Death Stranding? I started it actually on PS4 over Christmas break, and then I didn't play it. Not because I was like... I. I love Kojima and I like really want to play this. I just had other things going on, but this director's cut. Yeah. It looks like he's unleashed. It's Kojima at his weirdest. <laughs> so like, I'm for sure. Very excited for this. He pointed at me Campbell. once and smiled and I've never forgotten that. He pointed at you and smiled at E3. I was like, Oh my gosh, Mr. Why Kojima. would he point? Was he like pointing at you and laughing? Was yeah, why he, would he-, he was coming out of a, he was, it was at the hotel and he was coming out of like a party and I was like, Oh my God, it's Mr. Kojima. And he looked at me and he smiled and he what? pointed at me and I like I felt like uh, like a little yeah. bit of Kojima is is mm. still living inside of me right now. It was oh. awesome. And he shouted oh. IGN deals at you. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> Craziest thing. Yeah, he had a he had a, a vanity code for me actually. Save 10%. Oh. Yeah. Um we have a question about PS5 from John in Amarillo, Texas. He says as someone who recently got a PS5, I am looking forward to the next state of play. He wrote this a few days ago. For some upcoming PS5 exclusive games. But I noticed the upcoming set of games in the fall at least appear to still be cross-generation. Can we expect this generation of games to stay cross-generation longer than normal because of the issues many are having getting the new generation of consoles? And to that, yes. I want to point out, I want to point out that the PlayStation 5 is outselling the PS4 at where it was at this uh, point in its, its lifespan. 8 million PS5 sold so far as compared to 700, 7 million, 600,000, something like that for PS4. So it's not, it can't be entirely true that that's the reason why. Because at this point in the PS4's life, Sony wasn't really concerned with making sure their new games were playable on PS3. It's not quite the same though. Like, you know, software sells hardware and like they're trying Mm -hmm. to sell like in the PS4 generation where they can sell every single PS4 that they can make, or like, you know, if a big AAA game sold, came out, they would sell more consoles, and that's not the mm-hmm. same for the PS5 right now, where the games coming out have absolutely no influence on how many consoles are sold until stock stabilizes. Mm-hmm. Although, like, from a business strategy standpoint, if that weren't the case, the publisher incentive would be to create deals with developers to incentivize consumers to buy their ps5 so theoretically like a publisher's standpoint and a publisher's priority is um or a console holder's priority is like sell our new units and then theoretically a developer's priority is sell as many games as i can so the more platforms that you're on 
it introduces a little bit more difficulty in terms of development. So depending on the size of the developer, if you're like a huge developer, you have a ton of resources, it might, the, the risk and cost factor um, or the risk reward factor would be we can more easily scale across more platforms and therefore sell more copies and therefore come out with a, you know, a, a price and a, um, a sales uh, number that's, that's really attractive and makes our, you know, our game a little bit more successful at the end of the day. Totally. F- from, from a third party standpoint, they want to hit those 115 million PS4 owners, which absolutely makes sense. I think it's more surprising to me that Sony itself, its first party games are also straddling the generational line rather than being the the real show pieces for the PS5 for their new console. We're yeah. talking and we're talking about Horizon and God of War. Mm-hmm. Among, and, uh, among a few and, and Gran Turismo they announced Gran Turismo, yeah. PS4 as well. Um, which was yeah. a new, you know, that was a new announcement. Yeah, I, I absolutely think it's because of scarcity. 100 percent PS5 scarcity. Yeah, yeah because I, otherwise they would drive to PS5. Yep. I think if the PS5s were plentiful on store shelves, everyone could get one that wanted one. I don't think there would be the same motivation to have, um, you know, Horizon God of War, Gran Turismo coming to last gen. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I thought, nah, it's probably just me misremembering, but I thought they weren't going, like they were really excited about not do, or believing in generations and they weren't going to bring these games to PS4. That's, yeah, that's kind of been, I, I don't, controversy is too uh, hard, harsh wanna, word. At one point, Jim Ryan said, we believe in, Jim Ryan said, we believe in console (laughs) generations some point last year. And then fast forward to today. And now they're straddling both generations. My, my hunch, I have a hunch that somewhere behind the scenes at Sony, they had a a PS5 team that was working on the new console, working on launching it and trying to line up software for it. Whereas as someone else internal was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This We have 115 million PS4 owners out there. What, we're not going to sell our games to them too? And there was probably a lot of back and forth behind the scenes. And here we are today. Mm-hmm. That's just my hunch. It's just, it's all about money. As long as it remains profitable to have them on the older systems. I mean, this is only the second year that Just Dance wasn't on Nintendo Wii. So the Wii. <laughs> yep, yeah, the the last it was Just Dance 2020 was the last one on Nintendo Wii. So, <laughs> man, that so it's got legs. So four, 14 years of Just Dance. Well, maybe Just Dance wasn't there at the, at the launch, but yeah. Yep. And I also think it stopped and then came back. I think they made like a Wii U yeah. version and they're like, no, no, no. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to point out, though, that I sympathize with John in Amarillo, Texas. I want to say Super Mario World was not playable on the NES. It was developed for the Super Nintendo to design to showcase what the new console could do and to show things that the NES could not do. And I under, totally understand bringing your brand new PS5 home and wanting to see, wanting to be amazed by something that wasn't possible on your PS4. Sure. Because so, otherwise, yeah. it's kind of like, why did I spend this $500 just now? Yeah. Well, but it's or resolution more. and it's frame rate is the answer. Uh, you yeah. know, and there's... It's obviously a more complicated, nuanced world than that, where there's particle effects and depths of field and all kinds of really, really cool, fancy stuff, including the uh, the fancy hard drive in the PS5 to allow instantaneous loading. But, um, but you know, games like Horizon and God of War in 1080p are probably not going to look that different on the PS4 mm-hmm. than they will on the PS5. But the PS5 version is going to be running at 4K and, uh, you know, maybe we'll potentially have an, uh, a higher uh, higher frame rate option as well. Justin, Mario could climb a chain link fence and then spin sections of the fence around. The NES couldn't do that. It's true. Well, uh, well, and also you're burying the lead here like you rode a dinosaur, mm-hmm. for goodness sake. You also rode a dinosaur. <laughs> this episode of GameScoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. 
That's nordvpn.com slash gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. <laughs> Uh, and let's see, our final topic this week, Ubisoft is working on the next Assassin's Creed, codenamed Assassin's Creed Infinity. It's reportedly a Fortnite-like evolving platform, and I think this is uh, was first reported by Bloomberg, which probably forced Ubisoft's hand to reveal the game itself, although there wasn't any, no trailer, no assets for it. It's just like, hey, yeah, yes, we're working on the next Assassin's Creed game, and we have a bit of a different vision for it, so... Uh, The original report said the project will be worked on by a new cross-studio collaborative structure made up of the Ubisoft Montreal and Quebec teams. And a quote from uh, the official statement from Ubisoft says, rather than continuing to pass the baton from game to game, we profoundly believe this is an opportunity for one of Ubisoft's most beloved franchises to evolve in a more integrated and collaborative manner that's less centered on studios and more focused on talent and leadership, no matter where they are within Ubisoft. Tina, can you translate any of that? <laughs> yeah, it's basically, you know, we're realizing this year by year release isn't quite working for us. And there are other companies that are doing really well with this whole live service game thing. So we want to get into it, but we also want to retain our style of, of Assassin's Creed games. We want to respect the embedding of history that's behind it, which honestly makes me think like, are there going to be factions like the secret world? And it's going to be this like online persistent world and you can come at it from different historical settings. But that's just speculation. Uh, I think ultimately they knew they had to do something different um, and introduce a different business model. Uh, and as uh, you know, the Bloomberg report kind of also insinuates, they've been kind of flirting with the concept just by virtue of like here, like DLC items and cosmetic little microtransactions here and there. So it seems like they were they were getting into that business model territory, and this is a way of of introducing it as a new spin on on the franchise. It's it will reportedly be an online platform that would include multiple historical settings and evolve over time. Which you know, Assassin's Creed could make that really easy with the Animus, right? Like mm-hmm, your Animus mm-hmm. is like your hub, and you can use your Animus to jump around any yeah. time period theoretically. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. It's hard to say if this is like, look, like, is this, um, is this Master Chief Collection, but Assassin's Creed? You know, mm-hmm. is this like just a frame by which you're going to boot into, like, here's Valhalla, here's Odyssey, here's whatever? Or are they actually doing something, you know, crazier and more ambitious with, um, that will be truly more Fortnite like, you know, in some sort of metaverse crossover heavy way? Like, we don't really know. I assume more ambitious because they basically say as much. And so interestingly enough, um, you know, it's Jason Schreier that did that report. And he mentions in his report that when he reached out to them for comment, they acknowledged the the name of the game and, and that they were working mm-hmm. on it. Um, and I think that's why they came out with their own announcement. Um, and, you know, they they waited until he kind of came out with his report. But I suppose they wanted to put a bit of a their own official stamp on it to confirm this big, ambitious project, which which obviously would be a positive for them. Uh, and if you want to really speculate, uh, you mm-hmm. can look at the, if you guys have been watching Mythic Quest, they're actually flirting wow. with in that game. Maybe this is spoilers. If anyone cares about Mythic Quest and they're not caught up, uh, you know, cover your ears now. Um, concept of a persistent world where all players can impact each other's world. So, you know, you build a house 
So then someone comes in and everyone can see that house. And then someone comes and burns that house down and everyone sees the house that's been burned down. So, and obviously they're, they're, they work uh, sort of on that show as a bit of a consultant, I suppose. So who knows what that means? Hmm. Well, a, a Ubisoft spokeswoman can, uh, stated to Bloomberg that they want to exceed the expectations of fans who have been asking for a more cohesive approach to Assassin's Creed. I, I'm, is that true? Have people been asking tweet? for that? Do fans like, ah, do Assassin's the one Creed? thing I wish was Assassin's Creed were more cohesive. Do Assassin's Creed Assassin's Creed fans tweet at Ubisoft? We want more cohesive approach. More cohesiveness. More cohesiveness. Yeah, it's, it's that, that famous E3. Uh, that show, famous yeah. E3 chant. I think it's more likely that some Assassin's Creeds have been huge, successful hits. Others have had maybe more criticism than others. So maybe the cohesiveness is like bringing those worlds and those story elements but improving on the quality in like one one agreeable gameplay format. I mean, yeah, they already have an animus frame story, which mm. I, I, we've talked about this on Scoop before. I just, I really could not care less about, but you know, apparently, <laughs> apparently it has, you know, fans and people that are really into the frame story. Um, but like, if they're going to have different time periods, that, that has to be what this looks like, right? It, Instead of an Assassin's Creed, and then you pop out of the Animus, and you're in modern day world, and then, and then two years later, you get another Assassin's Creed that does the same thing, that it'll just be in the same frame story, right? Like mm. you know, mm. so, and that that sort of dovetails with what they're talking about with the two different studios, sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, batting the bad bit and birdie, uh, back and forth to one another is, you know, they'll both be working within that same. You know, one team is working on the the ancient Japan, you know, version of of what's eventually going to be added to Assassin's Creed Odyssey, while another team is working on, you know, whatever. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully, um, you know, a pirate sequel. Um, yeah, the the most recent Assassin's Creed games, the RPGs, um, Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla, are already kind of live service games, and the fact that Ubisoft mm-hmm. supports them for a year or more after their release with continual yep. updates. But uh, IGN user West 14 says, it is impossible for me to be less interested in the <laughs> seasonal stuff that happens in Valhalla. Mm-hmm. The base game is already overly bloated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. T- Tina, you probably paid, played the most Valhalla out of all of us. Do you mm-hmm. agree or disagree with that? Um, I mean, I enjoyed my time with it, and I'm the kind of person that if I like the game, the more that you give me, the happier I am. Just to be, just to have the excuse to to sit in the world a little bit longer. Um, but I personally really hope that my my faction theory is the right one. It, it might be too ambitious, but if if everyone comes from a different historical time period, and then there's storylines and narrative and gameplay, multiplayer gameplay experiences for you individually, and then there's moments where that bleeds into each other because mm. that's the whole animus thing as well. Like a lot of it is supposed to tie into one another and cross over between time periods. So what if all of those worlds, that cohesive experience is bringing them all cohesive. together. Yeah. And you're in different <laughs> factions and eventually you like, you know, you go from like Egypt into this Valhalla territory and, and cross over a bunch, but that seems maybe like too ambitious. I yeah, don't know. They, I'm not a developer. They can iterate on it over time or like that's part of, you know, there's a shared space in part of the game world mm-hmm. and you're going off into an instanced, you know, more yes. RPG sort of traditional video game like experience. I, like Damon, I think that you are right or whoever the the reader that wrote in was right. Um this doesn't really feel to me like that different than what Assassin's Creed already is. You know, mm-hmm. they're already doing every week, you know, there's new free DLC and new missions. And then, you know, every quarter or however often there's a big new paid drop. And then, you know, a year or two later, you get another Assassin's Creed game. And the only difference is that new Assassin's Creed game is just in infinity. Like here's a new time period, a new story, you know, uh, and then you buy it and experience it and play it there. Or if you buy that game, you're also getting access to, um, to this shared space and shared experience. Like, um, like how Call of Duty Warzone is spanning multiple Call of Duty games now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seth, what's your favorite Assassin's Creed game? Oh, Black Flag. Yep. With, mm-hmm. Like absolutely like the coolest, funnest of all of the Assassin's Creed and the prettiest. And it has all those wonderful whoa, 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 sea whoa. shanties. It's not the prettiest anymore. <laughs> well, you can't, you can't say it's better looking than Odyssey. No. Okay. Not anymore. But those deep blue Mediterranean waters. There's there we are. At the time, they were great. Said, yeah. I- 
I think and Odyssey is my favorite. Yeah, Black Flag was my favorite until Odyssey. And I that's couldn't the get into same, Odyssey. I that was Quebec. That was Quebec that did both of those. Correct. Mm. Is that true? They, they was- definitely did Odyssey. I don't recall. You know, Ubisoft Studio structure was so different that I'm sure who made four. Which is well, cool. Assassin's Creed Infinity, whatever it ends up being called, is apparently years away. So, so we have, have an actual animus that we can all <laughs> link right into. Yep. There you go. That brings us to Video Game 20 Questions, and I believe Tina had a story that she wanted to share about last week's game pick yes. first. Yeah, remind, I, I remind us what the game was, Tina. It was Little Nemo, the Dream Master. Um, good, good unfortunately, game. the crew got it with I think like seventeen <laughs> questions. Unfortunately, in. no. Fortunately, I oh, said fortunately. fortunately. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. I mean, I had to, I had to give a hint, but it's it okay. Everything worked out in the end. Um, but yeah, I, in in the um, in the scramble of a minor technical hiccup, I forgot to tell the context of the story, which was submitted by Chris last week. Uh, and he told me that he and his mom used to play NES games together. Uh, and her favorite one was Little Nemo um, because she loved the music. And she used to watch him play for hours on end. And it was the game that they bonded over. And I just thought it was a very sweet story. And I wanted to share that and make sure that uh, he got to hear this week. Nice. <laughs> that is a very sweet story. Yeah. I remember, I remember reading about that one in Nintendo Power. And I think it was, I think it was a rental for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, our suggestion this week comes from Colin Copeland in Waco, Texas. More Let Texas. the questioning begin. Where shall we begin? I don't know. Uh, is this um, does this have realistic graphics? Mm, mm. Oh. Let's say. Oh wow, that's tough. I don't think so. Uh, well, hmm. so it's, let's it's, let's just skip that question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like a dishonored. I think, I think. Well, I think that means it's like Goldeneye, where it's like maybe ah, for its time. Okay, so maybe we should do like a like a release date question. Yeah, is this game pre year two thousand? No. Oh. Oh. It, okay. Is it? Is it? Uh, is it? Did it originally come out after two thousand ten or two thousand ten or later? No. So nice. in between 2000 and 2010? Yes. That could be what? PS2, PS3, Xbox, Xbox 360. Is it a console exclusive? No. Was it developed in Japan? No. Mm. Was it developed in the United States? Yes. That's five. We did it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure where to go from here. Was it developed by a company that uh, holds or has held an E3 press conference? We haven't used that one in a while. No. Oh, boy. But it was multi-platform. As Tina asked. Yeah, I asked if it was a console exclusive. Right. So it could be like... Could be a one PC console experience. and PC, yeah, exactly. Or or that. Ah, don't don't get all up in your head. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, a, a multi platform game. Okay, we'll stick with that. Duh, uh, do you commit violence in this game? Yes, hundred percent. Right. That's like it's every game. <laughs> yeah, most. So it's U.S. It's two thousand ten between two thousand two thousand ten. You commit violence. It's multi platform. This is probably like Grand Theft Auto Vice City. What do you think the nature of the violence is? Yeah. Uh, you, That's what I'm going to start asking developers, by the way. Can you explain <laughs> the nature, of the, nature violence of the violence? <laughs> That's actually a great question. Um, are there guns? Should I go with guns? I, is that sure, yeah. Okay. Are yeah. there guns in this game? Do you shoot guns in this game? Do you shoot guns in this game? <laughs> okay, so like laser beams? I can't answer that question. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> it's not Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. <laughs> so you you probably shoot other things. Like not bow and arrow, not hack and slash, but you shoot something. Maybe it's like maybe it's like just a big old like bullet that just shoots out of your ship. Like yeah, in a, like a harpoon like, or something. Or like Dodonpachi or something like that. Like Oh yes, that classic 
U.S. developed game. <laughs> Good point. But there were some U.S. based. There's some U.S. based shmups. Uh, they don't have any three press conference. I mean, it could be like Activision or something too. Should we go like? Go ahead, Justin. I just don't know why Damon can't tell us if you shoot guns. Yeah, I'm try- it must be shooting something else. Like, like maybe like a like a you know like a laser beam is not technically a gun because I was going to trip up over that last week with Little Nemo, no less. Yeah, because you don't like you throw candy, but then at the end you shoot morning star, which is not ah, like what okay. a morning star is, but it like shoots okay. a laser. Yeah, I have our answer. Can you shoot guns? Yes. Oh. Can you can you shoot guns in? <laughs> Finish your <laughs> sentence. <laughs> red, red. Our producer also confirmed. Oh, good. To me. Okay. Well, now I can trust Finally. it. Shout out! Shout out to Red. Yeah. You can uh, use guns. Did this game appear on the Nintendo GameCube? No. Hmm. Did you have one in particular in mind? Nope. I see. Should we go like, is it side scrolling? Is it an RPG? Is it sure. some other category of video game? Yeah. Maybe RPG? Since you like evolve weaponry at a point of time? I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely not a shooter. Is it an RPG? Yes. That's 10. Okay. Uh, so US RPG where you probably don't get guns very often or early on in the game, maybe. Or there's like one level you get a gun. Oh, should we do like? But it's but they don't have any three press conference, so it's not like a Bethesda game or EA game, right? Role playing game. Is this a is this a video game? So, but it's a Western RPG. Is this a video game where you control a party of characters, multiple mm. characters? No, no. So you're you're playing by yourself. So it's like it. It's like an Oblivion. Is it first person? No. So Kingdom <laughs> Kingdoms of Amalur? That that was after 2010. Should we go the fantasy route? Like is it If it has it guns, would be gonna, It could have a fantasy gun though. Yeah. I, I feel like it has to be fantasy. Because if it would have been What's like a like, steampunk th- fantasy? Sort of game. Those, those, they throw some guns in there with the magic. So it's mm-hmm. a third person, American made, US made um, uh, RPG where you're playing as a single character. Yeah. You know, run, running around. So it's like, you know, the games I'm picturing are games like Fable and stuff right now, except we know that it's not a company that has an E3 press conference. And it's questionable whether or not it's realistic graphics, and that one's definitely not. Who's- right? Oh yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it's it more cartoony just, than anything. Couldn't couldn't be answered. Unanswerable. Yeah. <laughs> we'll um, what was like? What was like Majesco up to back then? They were making shit. <laughs> uh, Should we go the franchise route? Sure. Is it part of a franchise, Damon? Yes. Okay. Mm. Oh, I should have said ongoing franchise. I didn't know what platform. I didn't know what platform it was on. Well, it's multiplat. Well, yeah, but like I, we don't even know the generation. Yeah, that's true. Do it. We know it wasn't on GameCube. We know that. Uh, I don't even know how to phrase this anymore. Was it on the? What, what, is it PS, PS3 and Xbox 360 generation of consoles? No. So oh. older PS2 and PS- Xbox, PS- not PS2. on GameCube, correct? Or PC? It could be. Was it on the PS2 and Xbox generation of consoles? No, and that's oh, fifteen. Oh my god! This is a handheld game. I don't know what it is. I don't either. I'm a complete, completely lost now. U.S. developed Same. RPG that wasn't on the consoles. It could be 2D. You you touched on that earlier, Tina. With, like Ian, you, we mentioned. I, I we asked if it was first person, and Damon oh, said yeah. no. But that doesn't mean that it's like I've been picturing games like Fable, 
right. could just be a totally 2D game. You know, it could be like, well, it, that's developed in Japan, but it could be like Maple Story or, you know, something weird like that. How many, how many questions are we up to? Or, uh, you 15. 15. Is this played from a 2D perspective? No. Shit. Ah. I, I, I give up. I was going to ask lost. if it was on a, on a hand. Yeah, I, I'm super lost. I'm super lost. This is when I shine. Every time I, we, we get into the weeds. It's yeah, there we go. Hands. Do it, Seth. Come on, Seth. So, was this game on a handheld system? No. Right. So what's left? So that leaves it's the not- Wii. That leaves the Wii or the... We asked about Or Wii. the PC. No, he didn't ask GameCube. Well, we asked that generation. We asked about the 360 PS3 oh. Wii generation. Oh, okay. And it's not on the generation before that. And it's not on handheld. What year did the... <laughs> that's all that's left. Yeah, what are we missing? What do we forget about? 2000, uh, between 2000, 2010. I'm about to just look up like video games on Wikipedia <laughs> and like figure out. <laughs> does, uh, does Diablo have guns in it? One of the Diablo yeah. games? Yeah, yeah. The Diablo characters have guns in them. Uh, what do you call it? The Whatever they are, the Demon Hunter in 3. But you'd like automatically say that wasn't realistic graphics. Well, I don't know, because the character models are kind of for the era. That's kind of where I'm leaning now, because it seems like this is a PC game. It's kind of weird. Western developed. Yeah, it could be. I don't think we touched on PC at all. Activision Blizzard does not have an E3 press conference. Um, Part of a franchise. Yeah. You do shoot things. You only play as one character. It does sound a little bit more like a Diablo-like. Instead of a, a fully 3D sort of movie, because it's RPG, right. we can go. We can either go like developer, or we can go ongoing series. Is this a Diablo-like game? No. Ah, no. French. Because it is Diablo. So how could it be like <laughs> itself? <laughs> if Damon tried to argue that Diablo was not a Diablo-like. I would probably just close my computer again. <laughs> and leave. All right, um, you have one one more question. Oh God! And then a guess. That We're not going to get it. It's not Titan Quest. Uh, no, I mean I I, I accepted that we weren't going to get it like four yeah. questions ago. Right. Seth, <laughs> I don't accept defeat. What Seth? about the meta? What did we talk about? We talked about Sony games. We talked about Assassin's okay. Creed. Yeah, I don't believe there is a meta. I've never believed that. <laughs> I tried to go for a meta last time, but then the sweet story got me. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 I don't even know. What, we don't even know what console it's on. Does it? Maybe it's not, PC. But it's multi-platform. Be an RPG. It's not well, a console exclusive. It's not a console exclusive, which doesn't mean it's necessarily multi-platform. Is this a PC game? That's our last question. Yes. It's so, a PC like, game. <laughs> right, so knowing that. We asked about PC RPG. We asked about we asked about generations though, and it has to be on one of them. Oh yeah, you will. Isn't that technically every generation then? We named all the ones from the two thousands. I thought. I don't know if we missed something stupid. Almost certainly we did. Well, <laughs> just, just the fact that PC has been around forever for every this is generation. A PC game. Yeah, so it doesn't okay, fit so into any of those generations. It's not a Diablo like. But it, you know that it was between 2000 and 2010. But it's not an exclusive. Oh my God, what RPGs are people playing? Not necessarily. It could be on consoles, multiple consoles. So that means... But we asked about the console generations. Mm. Oh, the, oh, I see what you're saying, Justin. So maybe uh, it's a PC exclusive. Yeah, that's what I've been thinking. One of right, our well, opening questions was this it was is a multi-console game. Yeah. No, Tina asked if it was a console, console exclusive. exclusive. Yeah. And the answer was no. Yeah. Right. So it can't be only on PC. That's not a console. That's not that's a bloody. console, yeah. Yeah. It's probably, that, I'm trick. guessing it's a PC exclusive. I'm thinking so. it's... Western uh, PC RPG. I was going to say like Warcraft 3, but that's not really an RPG. That's a yeah. real-time strategy game. But uh, and it's not Diablo-like. Yeah. If it is Diablo, then I'm going to You know, if it's, you know, it could be two worlds. It could be, um, it could be, 
Well, Dragon's Dogma is Capcom, so it can't be that. And that was also on console. You know, there's a million there's a million of those games where you control a single character in those computer role playing games. You know, so it's like it was like Risen. There's a bunch of games like that. Although the, all the ones I'm picturing are first person, they're not third person. I don't know. I give up. <laughs> Me too. Seth, you give up? I'm just going to say uh, I'm going to say that it's Diablo 3. I'm just going to guess it. You guys guys tiptoed right up to the answer twice and then backed away because it is a Blizzard game. Uh It's World of Warcraft. I was thinking about that. (laughs) Oh my god, I played two years of my life in this game. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that I can't buy Warcraft be... 3. No, that's not a role-playing game. It's like, I wonder what, what game is based on that. Hmm. I, I would call World of Warcraft a console exclusive. So I'm going to have to take this what? one up. I'm sending this one to the council. <laughs> it's not game. a console exclusive. Are a, you kidding me? It's I a, a, a console. A platform exclusive, but not yeah, a console exclusive. That's what that it's, means. No, it, it's not the same. It's not a console. <laughs> it's not a console. I'm, I'm sending it to I the commission. Say. They, they okay. can decide. <laughs> okay. I leave oh, it up man. to the commission. We really World did tiptoe right up to it, though. So <sighs> where were you with the whole realistic graphics thing? So I think some of the characters are realistic and some I aren't. My only experience is Hearthstone. And so mm-hmm. like some people right. are presented accurately and some are not. So I, I don't know. And they feel all more cartoonish to me. Yeah. yeah. It, it, was, it was tough for me to answer that one. Mm-hmm. I want to play, wow. play WoW again. Yeah. <laughs> I'll play with you, Justin. Okay. Start from scratch. I will, I will literally install it right now because I'm like, oh my God, it's been four or five years. <laughs> yeah, it's been many years. This is, we just caught on camera the turning point of like, you know, I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> Unfinished Lego set behind yep, you. Yeah, we're years. Lego set. Seth, did you play World of Warcraft? I never did. I've tried many times to get into World of Warcraft and it just never, it never grabbed me. Uh, the only time I might have been into it was very early on and I just didn't have like the $20 a month to spend on a, mm. on a multiplayer uh, role-playing game. So The only way to play this game is to have a buddy or two or three or four and then you like, you just grind up to level 10 in one evening and it is the most blurry, <laughs> enjoyable experience and then you spend the rest of your life in it together. <laughs> That's the way that to do it. That's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. It's actually very it's, enjoyable as a social experience. It's a kind of surprising that they never tried to bring it to consoles. Like they did with like Final Fantasy XI. Look, they, they already got so much money over it. They yeah, just they didn't want to like, you know, the accountants would just be really overwhelmed. We have too much money. <laughs> Can't count all this money. I just can you imagine this game has been around for, I, you know, who knows how many years. Like the spider code that like this game is yeah. built on, like yeah. it's probably unbelievable. Like you know, it's like there was probably some new programmer that removed some line of code and was like, "We don't need this anymore," and it just crashed the whole game. Like, <laughs> no one, no one knows how it works anymore. Yeah, probably. Anyway, World of Warcraft. Thank you for the suggestion, Colin Copeland in Waco, Texas. Uh, if our viewers and listeners have your own suggestions for twenty questions, email them to me at. Gamescoop at IGN.com. That is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Thank you to Tina, Seth, and Justin. Thank you to Red working behind the scenes. We'll see you all next week. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.